All right, let's go ahead and start in prayer, and then we'll jump into the book of Philippians. Heavenly Father, we uh, come before you this uh, beautiful, beautiful day, Lord. We thank you for this Lord's Day. We thank you for life. Uh, we thank you for your mercy, your grace, Lord, and uh, just your goodness. You're a good God, and I thank you for my brothers and sisters, Lord, as, um, as we gather, Lord, and uh, via Zoom, Lord, I pray that you can uh, bless their lives, bless their household. And um, as always, Lord, we depend on your Holy Spirit to teach us and remind us of the great truths of Scripture, Lord. And I pray that you can open up our understanding um, as we visit the Scriptures and our lives will be nourished, our souls will be nourished, our hearts will be cleansed. And we pray this in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. All right, so go with me to Philippians chapter 2. And uh, we're going to be um, finishing off a smaller section of this. And it's going to be uh, verses 17 and 18. Um, so for those of you that have been trailing along Philipp Philippians uh, since 2019. Um, uh, uh, um, so we're almost, we're almost done with, with chapter two. Uh, so let's read from, um, from verses five in chapter two in the book of Philippians, and then we'll end up in verse 18. Um, so Philippians two verses five and on, it says like this, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bond servant and being made in the, in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that, at, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So then, my beloved... Just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world holding fast the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. You too, I urge you rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. So I titled this teaching uh, today is sacrificial service. A sacrificial service, and I'm basing it upon verses 17 and 18. And um, so this letter to the Philippians um, is known to be Paul's uh, most personal letter. So the word I, just, you know, for curiosity, is used over, uh, over 64 times in this small epistle. And so it, it, it's just, this is known, although I would argue that, it, that, that Paul, all Paul's letters, in a sense, had a touch of uh, of being very personal to the church because Paul loved the church. He loved every, every church. Uh, he loved the body of Christ. However, this, this, this letter, like every other, has a different touch to it. And it was a very personal letter of, of, of encouragement uh, to the saints in Philippi. So the Apostle Paul, the Lord's bond servant, was a churchman. All right, And he loved, like I said, the people. He wasn't an advocate um, for institutions or for denominations like we see a lot of people nowadays. He was an advocate for the cross, 
And uh, his, Paul's agenda was beautiful. It was the agenda of making Christ known, and, and the agenda was Christ and the people. He loved Christ, uh, serving him. He loved souls. And Paul was writing this letter, again, just bring it back into context because it's easy to forget. He was writing from a Roman prison, all right? That's what tradition tells us. A man on death row. Um, as we read this epistle, these are words of a dying man uh, to, a, to a living church. And a, a man who served God well. He served him all the way to the finish line. A man who preached and experienced the joy of Christ. And so Paul gave himself, uh, he gave his whole life, uh, a, 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 you know, when it says he's a bond servant of the Lord, he willfully gave himself over to the Lord to follow him. Um, and uh, so we, we see that he gave his life as an offering to the Lord. And that's what I want to emphasize today. His whole life was an offering to the Lord. And uh, his ministry was an offering to the Lord. And our life is the greatest offering. And, you know, that's what I want to put before the table as a preface. That our life is the greatest offering that we can give to the Lord. You know, a life not wasted, but well lived. You know, that is the best gift. And you can think about anything that you can give to the Lord. You know, when we come to him, you know, we come with empty hands in reality. You know, what can we give the Lord but our life? You know, what does God, you know, what does he require of us? He wants our life. Uh, and, um, and so that's, that's a beautiful picture that, you know, it's not, it's not, um, it's not really based on possessions. It's not really based on, on, uh, how much I can do here, how much you can do that. Although all those things can, can come into play, but God primarily and firstly wants your whole life. That's why the greatest commandment is to love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And that is your whole being. And, um, so I want to put that as a preface there. So. Here, Paul, uh, in the text, so we see him again. He's echoing language and images from the Old Testament. You know, Paul was a man of the word. Uh, he didn't need external sources. Uh, he used God's word at all times. So, again, he's speaking to the Philippians, and he's drawing from the Old Testament images, pictures, that they would understand and connect the, 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 the depth of his teaching. You know, uh, like I said, Paul was using language um, from the Jewish scriptures um, and specifically from the Old Testament, where it says that even if I'm being poured out, he said, as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith. And this is in reference to Numbers, uh, chapter 28, verse 6 and 7. Uh, this is one of the references we can use. And it's, it is a, a continual burnt offering, it says in Numbers, which was ordained in Mount Sinai as a soothing aroma, an offering by fire to the Lord, then the drink offering with it shall be a fourth of hen of a hen of each lamb in the holy place. You shall pour out a drink offering of strong drink to the Lord. Again, Paul is using these images that they would understand of the temple, of the sacrifice. Why is that? So they can connect the depth of his teaching. He was using what they would understand around them, for they can understand the teaching of Christ. And so in this case, Paul was you know, Paul was the substance being poured out. And this is the beautiful thing when he says, I'm being poured out as a, as a, as a sacrifice uh, upon your, upon the sacrifice. In this case, Paul is the substance being poured out, you know, being poured out for the church. Um, this substance would be poured out uh, again. When in the old Testament picture, the substance was poured out upon the sacrifice on the altar. And this was poured upon a hot altar. So, when, when the blood sacrifice would be poured out, it would evaporate. 
and and that was it. And Paul was saying pretty much that was that was his life. His life was that he was the poured out sacrifice upon the church. In other words, he wasn't even the sacrifice. He wasn't even the important part. He was just the drink offering upon it. And again, humility. Paul paints this picture of, you know, my life really is not that important. What matters is you guys. What matters is, again, he, he's, he's, he's putting himself aside and saying, what your sacrifice and service of your faith is what truly matters. My life is only the drink offering upon that. And so, and, and, you know, this was not burdensome, um, you know, but Paul rejoiced. He said, it's not like he was uh, complaining. He said, rejoice about this. I rejoice the fact that I'm in prison on death row in a Roman prison on death row, just to top it all off. He goes, but I rejoice because of the labor and service that you guys have, because I hear of your obedience, because I know that you've been faithful to the Lord. And my life at the end of the road is only going to be the drink offering being poured out upon the church. And that's what he caused the church to rejoice in, in their faithfulness uh, for the sacrifice and service of their faith. And so Paul was following the footsteps of the master. He was following the footsteps of Jesus. The life of Jesus was an offering. You know, his blood was literally shed for us. Again, you see the types, the figures, the, the Old Testament um, connections here of the temple sacrifice. Then Paul makes an allusion to the saying, you know what? My life is this, this drink offering. And then he, and, but in reality, Paul was learning from this, from Jesus himself, right? Jesus was an offering. Jesus gave his life. His blood was shed so that we can be cleansed. And we know that by looking at scripture, I'll quote a few verses for you. Romans 5, 9 says, having been justified by his blood, whose blood? The blood of Jesus, the son of God, the anointed one. Ephesians 1, 7 tells us in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Again, the blood of Jesus gives us access. It cleanses us. Um, Ephesians 2.13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Again, allusions that people would understand to the Old Testament literature. And this is important to understand. Paul was connecting these things. Uh, they, they were not in contradiction. They, they only made each other, it was complementary to each other. And so Paul was teaching the church with Old Testament uh, images so that way they can portray this because they would understand the sacrifice system. We don't understand it because we don't do that. And so, but we, so we have to dive into the context to understand the depth of him being poured out as a drink offering. You know, Paul understood the sacrificial and offering system, the, the language being used. He taught it. And not only that, he lived it. That, that was the beautiful thing. Paul did not, was not only uh, a well-learned man. He, he actually experienced it, and he, he lived this out. He said, I want my life. You know, you know uh, he never said, I want my name to be remembered throughout the ages. No. He, he, he said, I'm the drink offering. In other words, when the drink offering is poured out upon the sacrifice, on the, the altar, it evaporates. And, and what happens? A pleasing aroma unto the Lord. And uh, so Paul understood that his life, you know, was not the most important thing. You know, he, he emphasizes Christ, the people. And even though God, you know, um, God exalts the humble. And we know that he is highly honored in the Lord's eyes. But he did not give himself the name. God gave him that name. And we, we see this factor that his faith played a big factor in this. Our faith, you know, is of high value. You know, the sacrifice, the sacrifice and service of our faith is a reason for joy. You know, the sacrifice and service of everything you do for the Lord is reason 
for joy. You know, and think for a moment, you know, when we read of Christians, of other believers, uh, when you look at history books, uh, when, you re when you hear things, uh, people who gave everything for the Lord, you know, you know you, there's biographies, there's stories, historical accounts, uh, and it brings joy and inspires your life to know that a brother and sister years ago gave their life for, for the sake of the gospel. Even right now, you turn on the news, uh, maybe not our news, maybe you have to look a little deeper. You know, you look into other countries and you see Christians being persecuted. Why? Because of the testimony of their faith. Not only because they believe in someone, no, because they live out the testimony. That's an important thing. Martyrs were martyred because they lived this out, not only because they believed it, they confessed it and they lived it out. You know, in a similar way, Paul brings uh, uh, a text, uh, a text comes to mind when Paul speaks to Romans in chapter 12. He, again, to portray this image, he says, present your bodies as living and holy sacrifices, right? Why? Because this is acceptable to the Lord, you know, which is your spiritual service of worship. Again, we, we know this verse very well, and, and he's drawing images from the Old Testament. He's saying, present your bodies. Your body is that living sacrifice. Your body is, ought to be that pleasing sacrifice, that, that, that perpetual sacrifice, our daily living. Um, so our lives, you know, the, you know, this is the acceptable, the acceptable sacrifice is our life. Like I, was, like I was telling you, the greatest gift that you can give the Lord is your life. Live for him. Uh, you know, breathe for him, uh, do everything for the glory of God. And, um, you know, when Paul, was, when, when, when Paul was teaching this, the people would understand this, uh, that the sacrifice was not to be whatever sacrifice. You know, it was to be undefiled, uh, the best. It was not, it could not be a dead sacrifice. It had to be a living sacrifice. You know, and Paul, you know, because Paul understood that God wants the best. He deserves the best. He's worthy of the best. And um, not, no, you know, not everything was an acceptable sacrifice. You know, it had to be the right sacrifice. And, uh, and that's why Paul makes allusion to this. And his life was a pleasing aroma, a soothing aroma. We can see this throughout Leviticus, right? If you read Leviticus, you'll see soothing aroma, soothing aroma, soothing aroma. Because this was important to the Lord in the sacrificial system. And because this is what God is worthy of, and this is what he desires. And so a life of faith, a well-lived life, sacrifice and service it will be a soothing aroma to the lord when we finish our course when we finish our race when we fulfill our ministry when the time is up for us under the sun here you know our life ought to be you know this 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 sacrifice that we gave to the lord and offering you know a, a a pleasing aroma at the end of the day you know because everything uh, that we do here it truly does matter we've been talking about this you know what we do in the kingdom of god it matters eternally and so the Lord does not want strange fire, right? You know, and I'm not going to go into the context of that too deep because that'll be another sermon. You know, but one, because a strange fire has been tampered by man, the strange fire is not, is not pure. And so what God wants is purity in, in, in our sacrifice. He wants when, when, when the sacrifice is brought forth, that it be pleasing unto the Lord. And uh, let me read you Ephesians 5.2. And Ephesians 5.2 says, Walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Here is, is in a capsule is Jesus Christ. And, and, and what Paul is telling the Ephesians is exactly uh, an image to, to the Philippians. He's saying, walk in love. 
right? Practice this out, just as Christ. In other words, Jesus is our example. We read this earlier on in the Carmen Christi in, in, the, in the previous verses, you know, and he, he, which loved you and gave himself. In other words, he, he did not just verbally love you. He gave himself up, you know, and in offering and sacrifice, you know, as a fragrant aroma. What a beautiful picture to understand this. You know, this is why Paul was saying, my life is being, even if my life is poured out, man, I glory. I thank the Lord because I live for the Lord. You know, Charles Wesley wrote this. He said what he desired of his life, the brother, uh, you know, the, the hymn writer uh, of John Wesley. He said, um, this is what he desired of his life to be a perpetual sacrifice. He said, he wrote this in a hymn. He said, ready for all thy perfect will, my acts of faith and love repeat till death thy endless mercy seal and make the sacrifice complete. And he said, my life ought to be a perpetual sacrifice. I ought to continuously be offering myself to the Lord, uh, devoting my mind, my, my, my strength, uh, uh, my time. Everything ought to be for the Lord so it could be a pleasing aroma. You know, Paul had said something similar earlier on in Philippians in, in chapter 1, verse 22, when he said, you know, but if I am to live on in the flesh, you know, this will mean fruitful labor for me. And I do not know which to choose. Remember, we spoke about heaven before. And we spoke, you know, a couple months on that. And, um, and so we understand this, that he, I, don't, I don't know which one to choose. Because he really wanted to be with God. But for the sake of the church, he said, you know, I know i got to be here right now. And, um, and he said, but if I'm going to live on in the flesh, if I'm going to be here on this earth, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be producing fruitful labor. In other words, I'm going to be giving the Lord the best of what I, I possibly can. You know, Paul was a preacher of the gospel, a defender of the gospel, and a participant of the gospel. Again, this pouring out means that he actually participated. He was not just an advocate for the gospel. He was not a spokesperson. He was not some sort of motivational gospel speaker. No, Paul was a preacher of the gospel of the kingdom of God. Not only that, he was a defender of the gospel. Uh, you know, not only that, he was a participant of the gospel. In other words, whatever would come his way because of Jesus Christ, he would welcome it. And, um, and that's a lesson for us to be learned. Uh, he poured out everything for the church of Jesus Christ. He gave everything. Uh, literally, he gave his whole life. You know, everything else he said, I count as dung, as trash, uh, you know, compared to the glory of knowing Christ the Lord more. You know, th there are countless examples of people that we can look at who were poured out, as we can say, as drink offerings uh, upon the sacrifice and service of the church's faith in their time. You know, they say that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. That's a very well-known verse. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. In other words, the life that was given through many people, you know, the, the, the blood that was shed is how the church flourished. You know, God turned uh, what would seem as sorrow, uh, and it could have been sorrow at the moment, into joy. Uh, the, and, and I'm going to give you some examples of this. You know, th there were men and women, uh, both, who gave uh, more than weekly attendance. You know, they gave more than a few hours a week. Uh, they gave more uh, than just 10% uh, uh, of their life. They gave everything. And I'm not using, again, hyperbole. That's literally it. They gave everything for the Lord and, uh, and all the way to their deathbed. You know, let me give an example. William Tyndale, all right, and, you know, uh, born in 1494 uh, all the way to 1536. This is a long time ago, all right? But if you have an English Bible in your hands, or if you can read an English Bible, you know, it's, it's because of the blood of people like him. Who, he was strangled, and he was burned at the stake. 
you know, his blood was spilled so that we could have the Bible translated into English. Right now, the fact that we can read the Bible was because the blood was shed of a man of God one day and because he gave everything. You know, and as he was being burned at the stake, you know, he cried out, Lord, open the king of England's eyes. That was his prayer. As he was being burned, he said, open the king's eyes. Right? He, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't cast curses. He didn't complain. No, he said, Lord, open his eyes. You know, another person, John Rogers, uh, born 1505 all the way to 1555, you know, burned at the stake. You know, he, John Rogers influenced and inspired Tyndale to come to faith. So this is, the, this is the man behind the scenes that God used, you know, to bring Tyndale out. And, um, and he also continued the work of Tyndale. When Tyndale was burned at the stake, John Rogers got what he had and continued writing and translating. So, and he dedicated everything he had to quickly translating as much as he possibly could because he knew he was going to be killed soon. And um, he, served, uh, serving, he served by translating scripture. And, um, and he didn't complete everything. Uh, other people came along faithfully were, that completed. And history tells us this of John Rogers, um, uh, that he cheerfully welcomed uh, his death. In other words, he, was, he said, you know what, I'm serving the Lord. And while, you know, while his wife and his children watched him walk all the way to, to be burned at the stake, they watched him. And they refused to let him speak to his wife and children before. They said, recant, stop doing what you're doing. He said, I'm not going to do it. And, his, and they said, fine, then your wife will publicly watch and your children. And his, this, is what his, this is what they, if you read on this on the historical accounts on, on Fox's Book of Martyrs or, or different ways you can read it. Um, they say that, that Rogers, he was raising his hands um, as he was being burned and, and a sign of being, wor as worshiping God. And he held on to the Lord all the way. And they say that his wife and his children cheered him on. His wife and children cheered him on as he was being burned at the stake. Again, you know, people who gave everything for the Lord. There's another example. Polycarp of Smyrna, the Bishop of Smyrna. Um, you know, for those of you that went with us in Revelation, we've been going through this. We just read the letter to Smyrna. Um, you know, the, the, the uh, Polycarp was appointed by the Apostle John himself, martyred in AD 155, also burned at the stake, also when they came to arrest him, this is what they say in history. When they came to arrest Polycarp, you know, he didn't fight. He didn't pull out his nunchucks. He didn't, uh, he didn't try to defend himself with an AK. No, he, he just said, you know what? He, he, the people that came to arrest him, he, uh, he fed them and he gave them something to drink. And he said, and while they ate, he said, can I have time in prayer before, I'm going, before I go get executed? That's all he said. He fed his enemies. He gave them something to drink. And as, and, and, and before, so that before he was martyred, he could just have time with the Lord. I mean, that, that I mean, these, these stories are not made up. This is real. Um, let me give you an example from scripture. Stephen, all right. We see in Acts uh, chapter seven, uh, verse 54 to 60. Acts 7, uh, 54 to 60. Uh, uh, um, we, let me read this to you. It says, now, when they heard this, they were cut to the quick. They began gnashing their teeth at him. But being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened up and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and covered their ears and rushed at him with one impulse. When they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him. And the, and the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man 
named Saul. They went on stoning Stephen as he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Having said this, he fell asleep. This was Stephen, the deacon of the church. Um, not a pastor. He was a deacon. He was a servant of the Lord. And what, what happened? He was stoned to death for his testimony. Not because he's not because uh, of, of his, just because of his verbal faith, because of his testimony, because of his, because of his life. And, um, and it's, what, 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 one of the reasons why I want to mention him is because the writer to Philippians was the very man that held the coats of the people who stoned him. Watch, watch how God works. Saul was, Paul, was, it, it, Saul was, was uh, the name before Paul. And we see it before his conversion in, in Acts, later on in Acts 9. And, and we see that he was the one holding the coats as they stoned Stephen. And later on in, in, um, in Philippians, uh, years after, he now is the one, he comes to the Lord, his life has changed, and now he is that drink offering. And this is how God works. God can change lives. He can transform hearts. He can save who he pleases, how he pleases, when he pleases. And uh, this is why we ought to pray for people. And that's why Stephen himself did not curse the people. Stephen himself said, you know, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Not only that, you know, he blessed the people. He said, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. You know, they, they, they don't even understand what they're doing. You know, having said this, he fell asleep because one day we'll be raised. You know, he's sleeping. You know, he's resting. He's with the Lord. And one day we'll be raised. And so the example of Paul and many others who gave their lives for the gospel, you know, it was to advance the kingdom of God. He was poured out and, and so, he can, so the kingdom could be advanced. And this is an example of joy. You know, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. You know, he said this, I, I rejoice. I share my joy with you all. Paul tells the church, you too, I urge you, right? This is how he concludes. He, I urge you, rejoice in the Lord the same way. In other words, the fact that I'm being persecuted, the fact that I'm in a Roman prison, the fact that all these things are happening, you know what? He goes, just rejoice. Rejoice. My life is only a drink offering. When it's poured out upon the sacrifice, it's going to be burned. And, you know, my name is not what's important, but the name of Jesus will be remembered forever. You know, so these are the words of brotherly encouragement. You know, this was a letter of encouragement to the Philippians. You know, when they face death, to face it, you know, knowing that Jesus Christ is in control. Uh, knowing that, that, their, that their faith was not in vain, you know, and death is only gain. And there was reason to hold fast and have a joyous attitude all the way to the end. You know, Paul was a man who lived what he preached. We see this, we, we literally see this here. He lived what he preached. You know, he was a true bond servant of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, you know, Thomas Brooks, a Puritan said these words. He said, example is the most powerful rhetoric Example is the most powerful rhetoric. In other words, if you want a good sermon, live it. You know, if you want, if you want to say something good, live it. If you want change, be the change. You know, example, you know, being a model of it is the, is the strongest, most loudest rhetoric. And so the question that we almost answer is this when we face, you know, verses like this. You know, is my life a drink offering? You know, is my life a drink offering unto the Lord? Will my life be a drink offering for the Lord? You know, at the end of the day, that's a question that only you can answer. Uh, only you, am I living a life that is worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Um, 
will, will it be a drink offering at the end? You know, um, you know, when my life comes to an end, we all have to answer this, you know, you know, and the sacrifice which I labor for is left. Will there be a drink offering with a pleasing aroma to God or only man? And if for, and for those of you that have been to funeral services before, um, you know, you, you, you'll see the difference when the saints go home with the Lord and when those who didn't live for the Lord, there is a difference. Uh, there is a difference because one of them was a life well lived for the Lord, you know, uh, you know, not wasted, but well lived for the Lord. And so that's an important thing. Only you can see that. Only you can answer that because that's a personal question. Um, in Romans 14, 8 says these words, you know, if we live, we live for the Lord, you know, or if we die, we die for the Lord, you know, therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's beautiful words from Paul. If we live, it is for the Lord Jesus Christ. If we die, man, you know what? It's for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, whether we live or die is for the Lord. You know, this is not some cute poem. This is reality. You know, we got to grab hold of these truths and say, you know what, Lord, help me to live this way that every day, you know, my life can be a pleasing aroma unto the Lord. And, um, and I'm going to finish with these words um, from an old divine. He said, grant me nothing more than that I be poured out to God. As he, as he was closing his eyes uh, to go home with the Lord, he said, grant me nothing more than that I be poured out to God. And um, we must know this, you know, as we close this section, joy and sorrow are neighbors. Joy and sorrow are next door neighbors. And we're all going to experience these doors. So we're all going to experience these things. And um, so we must join the Lord always. You know, somebody once said, join the Lord always, you know, and you will always have cause for joy. Joy in the Lord always, and you will always have cause for joy. So I pray that your life, you know, as you reflect upon these, uh, these scriptures that, that Paul spoke to the church, that you will see, is my life being poured out as a, 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 as a, as a sacrifice? Is there anything to pour out, um, you know, or am I just living for myself? Um, you know, and, and what is the sacrifice and service of my faith? Uh, it, it, have I labored for the Lord? All these questions only you can answer and examine them and come to the Lord and, um, and only God can help us. Uh, only God can help the church, uh, for it is his church. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we have come before you this beautiful Lord's Day. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. Uh, you are a good God, Lord, as we always acknowledge, Lord. And we thank you for your word. And as we look at the words um, in the book of Philippians, Lord, I pray that our lives, Lord, will, will reflect this, Lord. That we can be this drink offering unto the sacrifice and service of everything that we labor for in this world, that we can be this drink offering that when it's poured out on the altar and it evaporates or it'll be a pleasing aroma unto you. I pray for my brothers and sisters as we're scattered, as we're dispersed, that we will live lives that are worthy of the gospel, that we will not waste time, that we will not be wasteful in time, but that we will be very prudent, uh, that we'll redeem the time, that we'll learn how to live ways uh, in a way that honors you in all our ways. God, we thank you, Lord, and uh, I pray that uh, that you uh, keep the church, guard us, and uh, teach us things, Lord. And these, in these times, I pray that we'll come out victorious uh, because we're trusting you and that you will teach us great lessons. Um, we pray for those who are sick, Lord, that you lay your, your powerful hand of healing upon them. Those who are uh, downhearted, that you watch over them, God. Those who are heavy burdened, Lord, that you remove that burden off their lives, God. Those who just need a hug, Lord, that you will be that hug for them, Lord. And those who need a word of encouragement, that your word will come like a fresh breeze into their mind and hearts, and you refresh your lives, God. I thank you for the church, Lord. 
Um, and we pray this in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. Amen.